Good morning. Let me first of all welcome everyone on behalf of Debbie's family. Thank you for coming this morning. I met Betty some 13 years ago when I came out here to Texas after spending many years in Germany. I met her when she was sharing a room in Holiday Hill with her mother. And I would do weekly Bible studies in the nursing home and Betty would play the piano for us. She soon became a member of our church and she's been a member ever since. She has, like the brother said, been unwavering in her faithfulness to God, to worship, and even faithful to me as a friend. She was more than merely a member of the church. She was my dear sister. And I greatly loved her. Her testimony and faithfulness to Christ was an example to me, an encouragement. I watched her over the years go from being able to walk to taking a walker to a wheelchair and finally even this last Sunday, the last few weeks, in spite of the fact that she was weak and fighting to breathe properly, she would still come to church. She'd come in and sit down and wore out from walking from the car to the front door. She would still rejoice in the fact that she was there. She put many to shame who often find excuses for not going to church. She didn't go to church only when she was sick or the weather was really bad. I can also have to admit that she did thoroughly enjoy the fellowships. The sweets were one of her favorite part. She would get disappointed if we didn't have fellowship on a regular basis. And believe me, when she went home, she went home with enough to take with her, which she professed was also for her friends, which I believe they were. But Betty loved the Lord. She loved going to church. She loved fellowship, and we will greatly miss her. I've done many funerals over the last 30 years as being a pastor, yet it's those who I know knew the Lord that moved me the greatest. For in many ways, I strangely envy her because she's now in the presence of our Lord, whom is above all things lovely and adorable, she is now face to face with him whom she loved above all things. And I know that Betty would not be pleased if I make more mention of her than of her dear Savior whom she loved above all things. She would have me tell you of the life she had in Christ. And now, because of Christ, her gain in living with Christ. That living were dying, Christ was her all in all. She gained both by living in Christ and dying in Him. Philippians chapter 1 verse 21 expresses, I believe, to be Betty's greatest desire. Paul said, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I can't imagine a life without Christ since I've come to know Christ many years ago. I can't imagine a life without Christ and I dare not 
faith of death without Christ. The life without Christ is death without Christ. And to me that is the most terrible and horrific thought. To die without Christ. Yet even to live without Christ. Paul would speak of life and death in one sentence as though they were so inseparable, so intimate, so bound together that one cannot consider one without the other. And my friend, indeed it is true. You cannot consider life without death. Betty realized this. Betty knew this. How often she would speak of her younger days and speak as though they were fleeting hours just gone by. Yesterday she was 18 and today she was old and in a wheelchair. Life goes by so quick. My friend, you cannot think of life without considering death. One cannot speak of living in this present life without the whisper of death lurking in the shadows. The Bible says it comes up into our windows and it enters into our houses. It is no respecter of persons. It cares not if you're young or old, healthy or sick. One cannot live without considering death. For no sooner is one born, but his life, which is but a vapor, James says, quickly runs to meet death. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, there is a time to be born and a time to die. He doesn't even mention a time to live. He said there's a time to be born and a time to die. Life is so short and quick and brief. He doesn't even take time to mention it. No time for life between the cradle and the grave. So brief and fleeting is this present life that all mankind goes from the cradle to the grave in one brief moment. Many of us here this morning realize the reality of that truth for, like I said, yesterday we were 18. Today we're old, some of us anyway, and considering that life is going to be shortly over, so brief, so quick. Yet Paul speaks of living. For to me to live, Paul said, is Christ. Living for Paul, as for Betty, wasn't embracing this world and everything it has to give, but Christ. Living for Paul, for Betty, for every true child of God is Christ. It's Christ which makes this brief life livable. It gives it sense. It gives it essence. It gives it substance. Christ is the believer's life. He is their joy, their peace, their comfort, their hope, their happiness, their refuge, their high power. To truly have Christ is to know no one in this present world. And Betty knew of that not wanting. During the time of COVID, with the lockdown, I myself worked in a nursing home. I've worked in one for over... 15 years when everything was locked down the residents couldn't see their loved ones but through a window the isolation was 
horrible. Believe me, I lived it every day when I went to work. Some of them that had dementia or loss of memory, and even other ones couldn't understand why their loved ones weren't there. Even though they wanted to. Yet Betty, when I called her, she would somehow find strength in Christ. Missing her loved ones, yet knowing that Christ was not walked out, but always present with her. For the believer, living is Christ. He's everything and all things. Life makes no sense without Christ. And Betty understood that. Even in life's darkest hour, when all of my soul gives way, the hymn has said, Christ is all my hope and stay. And so it was for Betty. I was able to see that when we finally was able to go into the nursing homes. We could only meet through a plexiglass. And I would speak to her and bring her goodies and try to encourage her. She ended up encouraging me more than I heard. We would close in prayer. And I'd say, Betty, if you ever need anything, you call me. One time she just quietly said, All I need is Christ. Christ said in John 10.10, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Betty had life abundantly because she had Christ. It's not this present life which Christ speaks of, but a life eternal which begins in this brief life. They shall have it more abundantly. He speaks not of a present life, but an eternal life. And one that begins in this brief amount of time we have between the cradle and the grave. In this brief time, James says, is a vapor and vanish away. In this brief time that we blink and we're old. In this brief time, our eternal destiny is determined. This short moment of time, this brief life between the cradle and the grave, here in this short time is every man's eternal destiny determined. And Betty knew that. Betty realized that. And at the end, Betty was ready for that. I often ask her what she felt about dying when they told her that she had heart problems and that she probably could have surgery, but it would probably be life-threatening. Betty told me she didn't want the surgery. She left it in God's hand, and when God was ready, so was she. That faith inspired me. You see, her profession of faith was not something that was merely words. It was evidenced in her life, the way she lived. She knew Christ. She loved Christ. And now she's in the very presence of Christ. And I envy her.
to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Ecclesiastes says, better is the end of the thing than the beginning thereof. To live is Christ, but the end is that we may die in Christ. You see, for the believer, death is not a stranger. He shouldn't be. An old preacher once said, Christians should acquaint themselves with death on a daily basis so that when he comes, he's not seen as a stranger, but as a friend. We could argue and dispute about a lot of things this morning, doctrinally, politically. One thing is undisputable. My friend, we shall all die. And many of us are closer to it this morning than others. A true believer does not fear death, but embraces it, for death ushers them into the very presence of Christ, whom they love above all things. We live in a world today that is chaotic and full of fear. Many are afraid and know not where to turn. Politicians have failed them. World leaders have failed. Medicine has failed. And many are wandering around this world full of fear and afraid. <clears throat> Betty would say, turn to Christ. Paul said, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Many there are that have hope only in Christ in this present life, as long as He fulfills their temporal needs, gives them health, gives them money, gives them wealth, they're satisfied. But if your hope is only in Christ in this present world, Paul said, you're of all men most miserable. Why? Because one day that death angel shall show up upon your doorstep and you will have nothing, you will have nowhere to go. Betty has entered into the game of living in Christ. To die is pain. It's profitable. It's pleasant. She's entered into the rewards of the Lamb who suffered and was slain and rose again. The psalmist said in 116, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. And someone might ask, isn't that a little morbid? And I say, no, because death is the final victory of Christ's salvation. It's the last enemy. It's one that we all must face. And you cannot overcome death without Christ. My friend, you can't avoid this envy, this fear of death that holds you bondage all of your life. Hebrews says you cannot overcome that without Christ. The very pinnacle, the very climax, the ultimate glory of Christ's salvation is when we die as believers. Let me read a few verses and then I'll bring this to a close. Isaiah 25, He will swallow up death in victory. He will swallow up death in victory. 
And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. An amazing statement. He'll swallow up death and victory. Mankind does his best to make death look pretty. In Germany, where I lived for 35 years, some of the most beautiful places in the city is the graveyard. They plant trees, they plant flowers. It's beautiful. It looks like a paradise in Germany. Unlike here in America, where most of them have nothing. Over there, it's, it's nice to take a walk through a cemetery. Beautiful big trees and roses. They have fountains, uh, they have faucets for water so people can plant their plants and flowers on the grave. It's a beautiful place to be. They try to make it look so pretty. And yet in reality, death to those who know not Christ is horrific. It's even terrifying. And for the believer who knows Christ and is acquainted with His Word and His promises, He says, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. There's a power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be thy plagues. O grave, I will be thy destruction. Repentance shall be hid from my eyes. Hosea 13. Oh, we cannot forget Revelation 21, verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. My tears. Someone once said, there's no tears in heaven. I beg to differ. For this is Revelation 21. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. I've seen Betty cry a few times. Not for worry, but for pain. It was hard watching her the last few weeks. She mentioned Sunday in church, we were talking about diabetes. And she's mentioned that the week before that she had fell into a sleeping coma. And she said if the nurse was not there to give her some kind of sugar supplement, she would have died then. And that's how close. She had tasted death four days before she died. But you see no fear on her face when she was telling us what happened just three or four days earlier. Most people would have been afraid. I almost died. There's a finality to death. Do you know that? But for the believer, it's not a final, final thing. For the believer, it's a continued life. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain for the former things were passed away. That is exactly where Betty is at this moment. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more wheelchair, no more oxygen. And she's bathing in the glory of the Son of God's presence and embracing Him who is above all things most loved. Yes, I do strangely envy her. That's why Jesus, one day, when he walked amongst men in John chapter 7, he stood and cried, saying, If any man in thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living waters. 
for me to live as Christ and to die as King. If Betty could ask us any question this morning, if she could ask us any question this morning, knowing what she now knows, would she say, do you know Christ? And I say, no. She would cry, you must know Christ. Because you do not want to pass this threshold without Christ. And she would say that with all the love and compassion in her heart. For Betty to live was Christ. And now she's gained. And we thank God for His love, mercy, and grace that He so richly bestowed upon Betty. For she loved Him because He loved her first. May God stir in our hearts this morning. And I pray, and I know Betty's thinking the same thing, I pray that if you know not Christ, you would come to know Christ. Because you don't want to live in a life in this world without Him. You certainly, you certainly, most certainly don't want to die without Christ. He's the King of Terrors without Christ. He's an ambassador for the believer, for he ushers us in the presence of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray now that, dear God, you would. Lord, I pray you would speak to those this morning that are yet living. Lord, I pray that you convict their hearts and their minds. I pray that you teach them their need of Christ. I pray for those that do know Christ. I pray that, Lord, we find in Betty's death again a blessing to know that her days of sorrow and crying and pain are over. And, Lord, that she's now resting in the bosom of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, I pray that you be honored and glorified through your Son this morning. May you, Lord... Bless the family now, encourage and comfort their hearts during this time. Lord, let them rejoice in the fact that they are rest and at peace. May you guide and direct us, Father, I pray, and may you be honored and glorified in all that's said and done. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.